With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, and he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot cheated Manchester United's defence with absolute content. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith. Hello for Russia! That's gonna be that! It's Charles Bart, it's Pearson, it is 1 0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Balsa! What a goal! Another chance for Russell. This time he makes it. The Rams rampant. Hello and welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast, which is more in demand than the last pie at the city ground. <laughs> My name is Chris Parsons. Here with me, as usual, are Richard Kutcher. Hello. And Tom Martin. Hello again. So we're going to kick off as we always do. You know what's coming, Coach. You know what's you know what's coming, don't you? Who am I? Well, it didn't happen last week. The so game, that, the game that I am <laughs> best at of all games. So taking part accounts. Yeah, mainly. Uh, here we go. Who am I? <laughs> I played twenty-four games for Derby County between two thousand and seven and two thousand and eight. So what I'm doing here is I feel I'm like too hard this week. <laughs> so I've I've, I've levelled it up this week. Horrendous season. What are you talking about? It was a great season. I saw like eight points. <laughs> 22 games. <laughs> it was the season, wasn't it? Yeah. 22 um, games. So have a think. 24, 24 games. 24 games. That, that makes a difference. <clears throat> yeah. We'll go back to more pressing day-to-day matters now. Um, Derby County's three-match winning run came to a shuddering, calamitous halt, it's fair to say, <laughs> mm. at Bramall Lane on Saturday. Uh, Sheffield United, three Derby County won a uh, Billy Sharp brace. Well, it's a brace, but it doesn't really tell the whole story, does it? No. And a Johnny Russell own goal. Um, Great finish. The <laughs> what I was going to ask you both. Uh, it, there's only one way to start, really. Tom, was that the most ridiculous own goal <laughs> you've seen in Derby County history? <laughs> um, I was having a big think about it, and. It's got to be up there, without doubt. It's a great finish, isn't it? You're expecting to wheel away, celebrate. It's the best the finish. Away. It's the best finish of Johnny Russell I've seen since the goal went to Nottingham Forest in the five, five in that five victory. Yeah. Not much between them, is there? No, but yeah, he've, <laughs> both uh, gave the keeper no chance. Right, right foot as well. Yeah. Well, it's on his weaker foot. Yeah. Which we said he had been improving last week. Last <laughs> podcast, we said he had been working on his right foot crossing. So it's pretty tragic. If you don't, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Like but you know what? You know what? Uh, was Darren Bent's better against Leicester? That was I, I was trying to rack my brains of own goals and the Darren Bent goal wasn't coming to me until I was coming over here. I was like, ah, that Darren Bent own goal was, was truly awful. Actually, I think, I think, I think Russell's Darren, was worse. Darren Bent was more impressive. Mm. But so I think the, Johnny Russell struggling to remember here, um, Darren Bent's own goal was last season against Leicester City FA at home in the FA Cup. when Live on national TV. Was it from a corner? Is it, or, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was, the, yeah. the, either way, it came to Darren Bent on the line and he had a regulation clearance. 
and he sliced it on the line, left-footed, into his own side netting. Mm. Darren, Darren Benz was more impressive, but you do see those happen from time to time. Russell yeah. picked out the bottom corner from the penalty spot. <laughs> Russell's was a bit headless, isn't it? He's running into the box, running against the goal, uh, against his own goal, and he absolutely buries it. That's the sad thing about it, but we'll come on to all that later, won't we? We'll talk about it in more detail. Um, Overall, do you have any favourite ever own goals overall? Uh, you, I mean, you, you know, let's let's put this to bed. Let's yeah. just uh, let's. I'll take this one. It's one bridge now. It's a, I think it was a cold Monday night at Turf Moor when Burnley first got promoted, and Jimmy Traore put one in the bottom corner of a back heel, trying to clear the ball from his own for Liverpool. Like, for Liverpool, yeah, yeah that was that, a, that was a cracker. And the other one was a, a Liverpool own goal, not as classic in that way, but just the importance. John Arnarita in a Champions League semi-final, chesting the ball back to his goalkeeper, but. Miss, uh, miss sort of queuing it and it going in the bottom corner I think that gave Chelsea the away goal which proved critical I remember that game and that and I remember him scoring an own goal but I can't remember what actually happened yeah. Coach, was, can you advance on that? There was a very uh, well finessed one one of my favourite ones uh, Lee Dixon early 90s uh, Arsenal uh, yeah. against Coventry yeah. Yeah. And, he, mine. and he collects it collects it about what 25 yards out He's looking forward. I mean, out of nowhere, he turns around and dinks it over David yeah. Seaman yeah, <laughs> into the corner. From fully, from like fully, 30, 30, yeah, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 20, 25 yeah, yards, yeah. And that's just it's that's a very well finessed goal. He didn't, he didn't miss. Well, he did miss it, I guess, because he wasn't aiming for the top corner. But it was, it was, you know, lovely pick out. Yeah. Interestingly, I don't think Russell's is the best own goal of the season. It was a scuff. Uh, so far, yeah, it was a scuff. I, I don't know if anyone. I think it's the Estonian second division where a team kick off and they play the ball around and then they kick the ball in their own net without even uh, the other opposition touching the ball. I don't that know might be something. Not, it's like else involved with that. Right? <laughs> yeah. a, bit sin- a bit more sinister. Yeah. But should we, Chris? Should we put these up? Should we put some of these ones up on the Twitter feed? So we, we should. Have yeah, a look at them. I'll uh, I'll get digging on YouTube. I'm sure mm-hmm. they're all there. Yeah. I see Traore and I see Dixon. And I raise you, Ian Dowie, in the late nineties. Oh yeah, picture the scene. It's a it's a wet cup tie at Stockport uh, <laughs> when Ian Dowie's when Ian Dowie's playing for West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stockport have a throw in. I think maybe it's a corner or a free kick. Anyway, they got the ball out Except wide. Piece. The ball goes in. Obviously, West Ham are defending their own goal. Uh, Dowie. <laughs> what makes this goal so magical is that Ian Dowie literally forgets which end is which <laughs> on the football pitch he thinks the end is at he, he thinks he's he's attacking the goal so Stockport swing it in Dowie leaps highest thunders a header into the bottom <laughs> corner deliberately <laughs> of his own net <laughs> it's an absolutely well, maybe, maybe Stockport was more his level <laughs> maybe yeah uh, well yeah, so punditry's not his level, is it? <laughs> um, also, shout out for Jamie Pollock as well. That's a, an yeah. absolute classic yeah, genre. Yeah, of course, never, never classic. Long ball. It was a little chest, or just it was just a nod straight over the keeper. Straight, straight, straight over the keeper, yeah. direct. Yeah. The other good one was I think it was someone called Chris Brass for York City, and he kicked the ball against yeah. his face, breaking his nose, and it went in the bottom <laughs> corner. <laughs> like, good, good, good day all round. Yeah. On, on that say? note, I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one there. Well, um, this match was a bit like kicking ourselves in the face and breaking our nose, wasn't it? Basically, yeah, yeah. It was disastrous, wasn't it? It's was just the, the thing about the match was, um, so I, I, you know, I sort of saw it back myself is that genuinely in the first half I'm not just saying this um, we, we were coping we were doing alright mm. the obviously conceded the early goal which was a freak Carson doesn't make many mistakes no but even after that Sheffield United had what 65% possession in the first half five corners um, 
but at half time we find ourselves 2-0 down from one shot on target it yeah. was complete nonsense and I, I only saw the highlights fine. yeah I only saw the highlights but the highlights I thought actually made us look quite good um, from what from what I saw is I saw some great counter attacks mm. obviously the defensive mistakes were a joke and you're right I mean I don't really want to give Carson too much stick those things do happen to goalkeepers from time to time and he's not actually much of a mistake prone goalkeeper is no. he would you say I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought he I is say we, I say we were doing fine I need to qualify that we were the, the back five were doing okay they were they were coping with uh, you know the, the the balls into the box and that sort of thing. A lot of it was just food and drink. For, and Vidra had a great chance. He had a couple of good chances on the break. Yeah. Vidra had a great the opportunity. Two defensive midfielders. Like the, the game was passing Huddleston by a lot of the time. We talked about before in previous weeks, didn't we? How Huddleston might get bypassed because he's not mobile. He's got a lot of good things about yeah, him. Yeah, but against definitely. two energetic midfielders like Sheffield United had our fears came to pass yeah and I think we said didn't we that him partnering him with Bradley Johnson sometimes could be a powerhouse combo and sometimes as you say it could get bypassed and that's exactly what happened it's hard it's hard to know if the manager can predict that happening do you do you look at the, the opposition midfield lineup and go okay this is maybe more a game for Bryson to partner Huddleston or, or whatever um, it's a difficult one to say it's easy with hindsight isn't it games don't always turn out the way you think they're going to turn out I mean Paul Coots, I thought, had a stormer for Sheffield United, and he was at Derby for a number of years. I thought he was a decent player, but um, uh, he's the one that's outshadowed the midfield there. So you'd have thought, on paper, Huddleston and Johnson would have been the right choice for this, not maybe Bryson, um, to sort of overpower Sheffield United, but they ran us ragged. Well, one of the things that uh, Rowett mentioned was quite harsh on the players for in his, in his post-match comments was the work rate and, and, and not really kind of rolling your sleeves up. And I think if you're going to play Huddleston and Johnson in that in that two you really have to rely on those on particularly uh, Wyman and, and Russell and Vidra ahead of them to really work hard and press ahead of them and maybe that wasn't happening as I said I didn't see the whole game but maybe that wasn't happening to the same extent uh, Wyman and Russell has, have done previously from what I saw you're right the, the front four were a bit detached from um, from the midfield and, and the, and the defence apart from when when Russell had his own contribution <laughs> just before that time. I mean, that, that, that goal just sort of, you know, just capped a ridiculously bad two-minute spell for, for, for old Johnny Russell. Um, and the, th- the thing that frustrated me was that the goals, the first two goals weren't what annoyed me personally. They were freaks. It happens. It can happen to any team. Mm. It's how you react to that. Yeah. What you do afterwards. Like, good teams... So dust themselves down and get on with it and make their own luck and uh, and you know make up for those those sort of ridiculous freak shows that happen every so often and before the second goal Derby had a good break where um, you know they, they got some men forward Russell had the ball on his left in sort of the inside right channel uh, he had wisdom on the overlap didn't use him came inside shot five yards over yeah yeah should have done better should have at least squared it or got it on target. Was that just before the goal, was it? That was just before the oh. goal, I think, if memory serves. Then then there was the goal. Um, and then afterwards, you're 2-0 down. Teams are often vulnerable when they've just conce- when they've just uh, scored. Uh, Derby got a corner quite soon afterwards, I think, up the other end. Um, Russell took it. We had men in the box. As we know, Derby are stronger than set pieces at the moment. Yeah. Mm. Got more physical presence. Uh, it just flew over everyone. Just missed everyone skied it beyond the uh, you know beyond the, the six yard box and that was what had me wanting to throw the you know throw the radio out the window that was that's the frustrating thing it's a personal pet of mine when players 
waste corners. Yes, yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I still haven't forgiven Tom Ince when he when he didn't beat the first man in the playoffs against Hull and they went out the run and scored and yeah. that was a goal that decided that semi-final yeah. effectively so it was a terrible two minute spell for Johnny Russell and I know you know you'll say it's one of those things it's a freak but, but that, his that, that just sort of illustrated you know it's it's lack of technique it's lack of composure decision making and it's decision making and it's that those things that, that let Johnny Russell and other players down yeah is it surprising he didn't come off at half time do you think I mean, while well, tweeting about it at the time, saying that it would just wreck his confidence if he did come off at half time, especially with the goal coming mm. five minutes before half time. He obviously, Rowett's obviously said to him, you know, you've got 15 minutes to, 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 to you've got 15 more minutes out there. But and, I don't, I don't uh, think. Lawrence came on just before the hour. But I don't yeah. imagine he's the kind of player that would react well to the manager saying to him, he just had a terrible 10 minutes. Manager says to him, you've got 15 minutes to prove yourself. Surely he's going to go out there and just be, uh, you know, nervous, you know, ball of energy, uh, ball of nervous energy. I, I would have taken him off and you know, give him a kick up the ass before before two weekends national break. Uh, yeah. Get Tom Lawrence yeah. on, give him a proper run. From what I again, from what I saw, Tom Lawrence seemed to have some nice touches and put some nice set piece delivery. Looked really good actually yeah. from a couple of free kicks on the highlights. He had, yeah, he showed he showed it in glimpses. He had a sort of a turn and snapshot. Um, a few minutes after coming on which uh, sort of flashed wide of, of the post um, and he did that thing that, that that annoying thing that wide players sometimes do when he got the ball in, in the sort of right channel got to the touchline uh, could have crossed it early Cut back. but checked back um, and I think strikers hate that don't they yeah because they've timed their run, run doesn't it's it? funny yeah. that I um, you know I read in another book recently that that's what um, not that they're in any way similar, but that's what Cristiano Ronaldo used to do when he first joined Man United. It was a bit of a, do you remember? It was a bit of a joke, wasn't it? Yeah. When he first joined the club in like 2003. Step over is what Show pony. Step over and mm. a show pony. And it was only when Fergie sort of <laughs> beat that out of him and told him to get it and deliver it early. I'm sure Ruben Nistor and Wayne Rooney beat that out of him themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Van Nistelrooy didn't. He just, he just left, didn't he? But, um, yeah, yeah, Lawrence sort of was doing the same thing. Maybe a bit eager to to, to, to show his full range. So he's only of been he's only been there ten days, and we're now comparing Tom Lawrence to Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, he's got a ton. He's got some time at that point. Maybe it's should be closer to Gareth Bale as he is Welsh. Perhaps. I tell you what is worrying is that he had two bookings in, in two substitute appearances. That's all right. Gary Rout will love that. Shows he's getting stuck in. Mm. If he carries on like that. He's going to miss about eight games a season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just before we move on, actually, on own goals, uh, quick, uh, I'm going to re- turn the tables on you, Chris, and stato you. Go on. Who do you think has scored the most own goals for Derby County? God, ever. Of all time ever. Well, I presume post-war. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not Steve Bloomer. Oh, right. <laughs> In that case, I don't know. Um, Horatio no. Carbonari. Close. He yeah. scored two own goals for Derby County. Is it Igor? Jakob Larsson has scored two own goals for Derby County. Stefan Schnorr. Colin Todd, three oh. own goals. Really? So, a sign of a good player, Johnny. Yeah. If he keeps us up, he could, be in the, he could be in the same Hall of Fame as Colin Todd. I think we're clutching the straws here, aren't we? <laughs> I um, think we need to move on. <laughs> Coach, were there any positives from that display, do you think? Uh, yeah, I think, um, as I said before, I thought there was some, inter- some good counter-attacking moves on, on the break in the first half. It looked like that's how a goal would come from kind of sucking in and, and countering them. And, uh, I know Gary Rout mentioned that in his fans forum comments earlier, which we're going to come on to about how some of better chances have been created on the break and when we're playing deep. Um, so that looked quite good. Um, but, you know, Vidra, Vidra hasn't, although I've been a big fan of Vidra's performances uh, this season, he hasn't really delivered on his one on one opportunities. He's had a few one on one opportunities. It's such a shame. Missed when a few he, chances. Um, yeah, yeah, when it's a great little break, actually, that, that, that was his best chance because that was what. 
we'll talk about this later, but Rowett seems to like it when we defend deep and then spring mm. on teams. Um, and that was what happened. Like, the ball was just like, lofted up to Nugent. Great little touch to bring Vyman in. Yeah. And he really absolutely nice rinsed the yeah. Sheffield United uh, yeah. defender on the field for pace. Yeah. Uh, took it on 10 yards. Played in Vidra. Um, who sort of got to just within the box and then to be fair to the Sheffield United defender it was a great block he, 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 it was a great block. Block. he did really well to make up the ground but if Vidra just took it a little bit earlier he could have got a shot off and I don't know whether that's uh, a lack of confidence because he hasn't scored an open play this season yeah. or anything else but um, yeah, I mean you got to give credit to the Sheffield United player. I think that would be my only positive that I really picked up on was was the kind of threat on the counter which will be useful you know, if we can if we hadn't conceded those two stupid goals that could have been a could have been a one nil away win and good 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 side away win. I think it's that that performance has um, like a classic sort of Derby County performance where we've just collapsed away from home. I don't think it's it necessary for all doom and gloom so far. We've had some solid results so far, not spectacular by uh, by no means, but this is just one performance which hasn't been great. I think we we have the opportunity to bounce back against Hull uh, when we come back after the international break on TV. Um, Yes, it wasn't great against Sheffield United, but they work hard. They'll be difficult to, to break down at Bramwell Lane. I think if that had happened at Pride Park, um, I think that would certainly be a, a more negative performance, uh, a more negative sort of backlash. But I don't think it was as bad as maybe it's been made out. We're still early days. The thing that concerned me was that we knew exactly what Sheffield United would do and we didn't cope. Um, and I don't know what I don't know if that says more about Rowett or the team. Um, I mean, Kutch, do you think he... Do you think Rowett is getting over his instructions sufficiently at the moment? Well, that's what he said himself, wasn't it, in the post-match, was that he said we knew what was going to happen and we warned the players about that. And yeah, you're right. Do you do you ask the question of the players or do you ask the question of, well, you knew that, how do you not prepare the team properly? Um, I think I, I think it'd be harsh to put the blame purely at, at Rowett's door for that. I mean, there's only so much the manager can do. But you know, if it becomes a pattern... You know, it's a classic thing of, or a manager keeps saying, we've got to cut out the mistakes, we've got to cut out the mistakes. Well, yeah, at some point, it's the manager's fault he hasn't cut out the mistakes. So yeah. I think it's only days to put that solely at Rowett's door. But it's definitely one to watch out for. If we keep going away from home and getting bullied and losing 2-0 or 3-1 or whatever, then, yeah, then he would put it at his door. One of the issues clearly was the defensive two. Uh, midfield, defensive midfield two, excuse me, sorry, with Huddleston and... Bradley Johnson, who got a lot of stick on Twitter afterwards, but I didn't think he was that bad, you know. I mean, I've, I've certainly seen him play worse for Derby, Bradley Johnson. Mm. And Huddleston was just as bad, but didn't seem to, he didn't get as much of the flack because he's a newer signing and yeah. held in better regard. And Johnson, let's be honest, has been a, a bit more of a scapegoat at times. Yeah. But we're, Tom, what, where do you see, um, who do you see partnering Huddleston in that position long term? I think Huddleston and Johnson at the moment is the right choice. We have what five or six games into the season, if you include cup games. Um, you've got to give it time, and I think it's frustrating that they're not quite gelling yet. Um, maybe it's a time to drop Huddleston. Huddleston's not getting the, the same flack that maybe Johnson has been getting. And I don't think there's been too much difference from their performances. Huddleston hasn't brought this fantastic range of passing and set up loads of goals like we'd expected or even hoped that he might uh, might do. So maybe it's time for a little bit of a change, not from Johnson, uh, sorry, not keeping Huddleston but maybe Johnson and one other maybe Bryson if he, if he remains after the window closes. I mean, some of the some of our best character attacking moves were coming from those those little floated Huddleston balls over the top mm. I think with Huddleston 
I think the reason, apart from obviously he is held in high regard and there's a bit of a romantic signing bringing him back, obviously they do play a factor. But I do think that with Huddleston, you already know what you're going to get, that you know that he's not that mobile and you kind of take that as a given. So And you know that he's, he brings that range of passing, which I think he has demonstrated that range of passing and maybe other players haven't made the most of it. But like I think with Huddleston, everyone ex- no one expects him to be kind of winning loads of tackles in, in our own half all the time. Um, whereas Johnson, he's kind of meant to be a bit, a bit more all action, kind of uh, kind of getting people's yeah. faces and combative. And maybe he hasn't quite delivered that. Mm. I would I think it is hard to know who to play next to Huddleston. I'm going to say it has to be Huddleston and someone else. I think it's hard to know who that should be because I really like Bryson, but as I, as I've said before, I don't think he suits that role. Although he did yep. score when he came on, it is a and Butterfield, I don't think I think Butterfield's like a poor man's uh, Bradley Johnson. It's really. a little bit sort of um, square pegs and round holes with that second position next to Huddleston, isn't it? I mean, we talked before about Thorne and Huddleston. Obviously, Thorne got um, seventy-five minutes under his belt for the under twenty-threes mm. in the week, and Rowett has recently said in the fan forum that after the international break. Uh, there's a good chance that Huddleston, uh, that Thorne will be back involved. But I mean, does that fix the problem though? Because Thorne also isn't hugely mobile. I mean, he, he wins tackles, doesn't he? He does win with tackles and he can intercept. But um, unless he's really up to full speed, I don't think you fix that problem of being overrun by energetic midfielders. With I, I'd love to see Thorne and Huddleston. I think a fully fit Thorne and Huddleston would actually be pretty. Um, Pretty, pretty effective. I think Thorne's more mobile than you think, you know. Mm. Or, or well, I mean, he wasn't that loan spell, but you can't really judge him on that as that was yeah. four years ago almost. Yeah. What we've talked about him, this guy before, uh, Jamie Hansen, where was he? Just not been shipped out. As no, far he's, as he's, he's still there. Um, Do you want someone to come in, not as good a technical footballer, but someone, as I've said before, come in and kick it, kick someone, yeah, win the in, ball, win it, give it to give Tom. it to Huddleston, yeah. or give it to somebody else. Maybe even not, as, don't give it to Johnny Russell. Don't give it to Johnny Russell or maybe Vyman <laughs> buzzing around like a wasp. <laughs> give it straight to Nugent. <laughs> we shall see. Uh, it's been... We're not try, trying to dwell on that. Sheffield United game. Uh, Derby go... Derby's next game after the international break is against Hull City at home. Um, so we'll leave it there for part one. Uh, after... Uh, in part two, we'll turn our attention to the fan forum, as I said, where which I wanted to talk about because Rowett and Mel Morris are sort of a lot more candid really than they, than they are in general interviews uh, and a bit on the transfer window so we'll see you after this brief interlude from John Motson Howl again there's Villas Asanovic Daly Darby have equalised Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County Fan Podcast. We are now around 48 hours until old, uh, until the yellow evening of doom on transfer deadline day on Sky Sports News. Um, Can't wait. <laughs> as you said before, no matter how many times you say it, you don't sound enthusiastic in, in any way. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> It's the world's smallest party popper. What was amazing, I was watch I was watching Sky Sports News the other day and uh, it was one of the one of the low grade presenters uh was talking to Stuart Pierce, I think. It was like it was like a bad Sunday afternoon shift or something. And um he actually said, Well the deadline closes in four days, seven hours and thirty three seconds. So do you think by then that Raheem Stone would have moved on? It's like what? Stop doing this. Stop telling us second by second, just in general conversation. Get over it, Sky Sports. 
Report some substance, thank you. No one cares about it as much as they do, no. do they? Um, and as, as we're here, as we're here, there has been some sort of semi, almost breaking transfer news. Although we're not even sure it was <laughs> that, true. that sums up deadline window. Yeah, semi, yeah. almost breaking transfer news. That, uh, that perennial summer Derby County transfer target um, Yotta is that just is it just just one name? Or has he got a first name? I actually don't know. <laughs> He's, is he good enough just to have one name? Yeah, he is now. He's, He's a championship there. player. He's I don't think he is. Yeah. Seal. He's on the same amount of money as that. Edu. <laughs> seal. <laughs> a great millennial reference there. Uh, he is reportedly on his way from Brentford to Fulham in a part exchange deal with goalkeeper David Button. It's an interesting one, isn't it, Tom? Pretty sure that I'm a better goalkeeper than David Button, and I let the odd one through my legs. So can we can we just give can we give Brentford you, and we'll get Yotta? Is that how it works? You can come and sit on the podcast <laughs> instead. We can get, what, get him in this room. I think that's what they call a derisory bid. <laughs> in the ramshack. For both parties. Derby and us. I'm actually rejecting the opportunity to move to Brentford. Thank you. Just I might, record. To be fair though, I might beat Yotta at Who Ram I if, if it was me versus him. That's true. Unless it was, I still wouldn't um, fancy your chances, really. <laughs> Unless it was Omar Mascarell. Or Nigo Idiakith. Let's talk about the window. Um, that, uh, in reference to the fan forum last week uh, in Derby where Rowett and uh, Mel Morris and John Vickers and another guy who's in the sketch <laughs> me, uh, the CFI wasn't it, it was a CFI. Yeah, talked to uh, talked to the fans talked about all manner of subjects and Rowett gave some interesting comments about um, about the loan market about transfers and about foreign scouting I mean I, I found his comments about the loan market particularly interesting and he, he, was, partic- he was in general terms he was quite um, you know, not not. He's quite dismissive, almost, of, of of loans. And his general, Rowett's general argument was that uh, it's hard to, uh, you know, firstly that loan players are only there for a season, and then you have to rebuild that position again. Mm. Um, and in general, he seemed more in favour of, of of buying players outright. What did you what what did you sort of make of that, coach? I think loan. I think loan market's fine. I get his point regarding. Um, you have to then rebuild that position the next year but it can be a good stopgap uh, for you or if if you know that you've got a position where you've got young players in that position and you want some extra support mm. I think yeah. as long as you use the loan market sparingly in the right circumstances like you don't want to have a squad like we had a few years ago um, you know about 10-15 years ago when it was purely made up of loan players yeah. um, I think the, the best example was the McLaren the, the good McLaren year when we lost in the playoff final when you had just a couple of loan players to complement an already good core and I think that's where we're at at the moment I think our squad actually is just you know a quite a, a different midfield option or um, a nice you know good winger on loan would make a big difference to this squad you know the kind of difference that Jordan I made or, or Tom Mintz made I, I think I actually disagree I, I don't see where a loan player would come in mm. um, to the team to necessarily hugely improve the team without great expense um, and then what do we do with the player who we're kicking out so say for example we bring in a uh, a left back uh, and then we've got Foz, Olsen uh, potentially Lowe yeah but you wouldn't there. bring in a left back but, but that's what, okay so say we bring in a, a winger and then we kick out Johnny Russell or Vyman what do we do with them sit them on the bench and let them run their wages for the year yeah, and sell them pay? sit them on the bench send, sell them on, them, send, them on, send them on loan like fine like we need upgrades we need upgrades in certain positions and if a, loan mar- if a loan market is the only way to get an upgrade uh, before the end of this window or, the, or when the loan window opens then let's take it if it's an upgrade we want, we want to have a good season now 
Do you, I, I don't think I don't think it's so important to have a, a good season now. I think we've got to get rid of some of this dead wood. I think this Derby team is, or the Derby squad is so bloated, and there's so mm. many players there who just don't seem good enough for us. We're bringing a loan player before shifting someone out. I don't think it's I don't think that makes good economic sense. I'd rather not do that. Get rid of one of the one or two of the players who need to be moved on, um, and take the time and rebuild it again. Rowett said that hasn't he? That he's been at pains to point out that frankly it's quite hard to shift some of the players in our squad because no one wants to pay for them basically and it's it's interesting that um, it it was sort of in relation to a different point that the fan forum but Mel Morris was talking about this and he said that after the playoff final when we lost to QPR um, and then if you remember Burnley came in for Craig Bryson didn't they Yeah. Mm. Uh, but we turned it down and offered Bryson a better deal and he said that after that it was either four or five years, wasn't it? And he said that after that, Bryson became our first player to earn twenty grand plus per week. And then Morris was getting quite not angry, but he was getting quite animated about this. He said, "You know, when that happens, what do you think happens to all the other players yeah. in the squad after that?" So, if you remember, you might remember that a handful of players got new deals after yeah. Bryson. Yeah, and that's partly because they're important, but also because. It's a domino effect, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, but whose fault was that? Whose that fault was, was that? If that was the case four years ago, then then you can imagine the size of our wage bill. Um, but whose fault was that? Days. That's Mel Morris's fault. At, at the time, though, that <laughs> Bryson signing of the contract was and rejecting Burnley was the the best thing to happen for Derby yeah. in that summer. And in hindsight, it's probably been the worst because he's not been the, sh- the same player since. Yeah. What has changed, it seems to me, recently is that these loan fees now seem to have escalated massively mm. even in the past three to four years yeah uh, and Rowett mentioned that in the forum as well um, he said uh, I'm just trying to find exactly what he said here he said you'd be bamboozled by some of the loan fees around now um, and players always go to the club that's most desperate do you and it, you, you mentioned a funny one about this Tom didn't yeah. you about uh, the striker at Derby after Sam Gallagher from Southampton well he had a yeah he had a couple of good league cup games um, last year and he looked like quite lively and I think he last scored well he's only scored one Premier League goal and he scored it three years ago um, but he's gone to um, Birmingham City and it's rumoured that he's currently on I think about 22,000 but he's, he's, he's definitely paid. gone to Blues hasn't he yeah I'm, yeah I'm pretty sure it was announced today um, but he's been been paid thirty thousand, and the loan fee would mean it effectively cost them about forty three thousand pound a week for this. Well, nine, I don't know, twenty twenty one year old. I think he is. Is he going to make the team better? I don't know. How, where, where do you think this loads is, of money? Where do you think this is coming from? Is it just a desperation thing, or is it because clubs like Chelsea is the best example are now kind of building it into their whole business model? Is having these academies full of players to loan out? You know, sending twenty odd, thirty players mm-hmm. out a season on loan. Um, in the chance that one or two of them might become good and they can get into a team and then or sell them for decent money afterwards but in the meantime getting in these loan fees or having excessive work wages paid is that because the business model of certain clubs is changing or is it just because clubs in the championship are desperate for talent to quote someone on twitter uh, maybe we're all on loan from chelsea <laughs> <laughs> in a way <laughs> you think we are i think your your point's excellent about chelsea the teams like chelsea it's not just them but i think they are the the sort of biggest they're man city are probably the obvious ones yeah the the biggest sort of like um proponents of this um there are so many players out there who you go oh that's he's a decent player and you go who's he play for he plays for I know, Southampton. I oh, know, doesn't he? He's on loan from Chelsea. Look at uh, sort of Nathan Ake, the, the Dutch centre half. £20 million he cost Bournemouth. Um, 
they must have made so much money. He's been out on loan at Vitesse Arnhem before. They probably haven't paid him a wage for four like, years, yeah. and then they got twenty million pounds from him. Lukaku's another good example. Like had him out on loan for a number of places, and sold him to Everton for the best part of thirty million. He turns out to be pretty good. They try and buy him back, and I'm thankfully for for that part, he's actually gone to Man United. But there's it's been crazy. some uh, uh, on a similar theme. There were, there were some interesting comments made by. Rauer as well about our scouting because uh, I found it interesting when he came in that Rauer didn't really have he didn't bring uh, many people with him did he no not like he didn't bring his son like Steve McLaren did no. um, <laughs> that well known scout Joe McLaren <laughs> uh, but he he, taught, he he covers he covers scouting as well and he, he made some interesting points about whether it's worth sending uh, an army of scouts out to various European leagues to try and pick up bargains and he sort of said uh, Raul said to cover most of the European leagues you'd need 20 people or he might go to watch a player who ends up not playing and then he went on to say an agent sent me a player this morning and I've watched clips of 20 of his games before lunch um, that was just a you know he, he said that it's a YouTube that's just, that's just a Tom Martin YouTube session on a Tuesday morning <laughs> isn't it yeah that's, that's it I know about all the you players from the in, Estonian second division yeah I, I think the problem with that is there are so many because of the the modern the modern age generally there are so many players who are capable of playing in in England without sort of any sort of work permit issues or anything like that. Um, so they have um, a sort of wealth of talent they can they can buy from. If you went back twenty years ago, getting a random Croatian or Scandinavian was an exotic thing. Was that doesn't exist anymore? Well, Everyone knows the Croatian leagues. Well, and the, Brexit's coming. Could make it all a bit. More restricted. Who yeah. knows? That's true. What did I say in the rules that we wouldn't mention politics? <laughs> 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 um, but the fact is, it still remains there that you've got so many players, it's impossible to scout them all. But also, if you're watching clips, you don't actually get the feel for the game. Like, how many times have you been to a game and thought, actually, that player's played played really poorly, and then you've looked back at the highlights and they've looked like a world beater? Um, it's 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 crazy that that can happen, and and video clips can definitely, I don't know, change the way that you might think of yeah. a player. I think it's interesting. I think there's two ways of looking at his comments. One could be saying he's too narrow-minded and doesn't want to explore all the options. I mean, he should be looking for more talent abroad. Um, and the other one is to say, which I'm more inclined to say, which is he's been a bit of a pragmatist and saying, well, that, that's not my strength. I want to rely on my strength of kind of working with uh, players I know more locally. Um, what I do like about it, and I'll come back to the McLaren thing briefly. I haven't really got a problem with this, but you know, McLaren brought in his, his son as a kind of a head scout, head of recruitment, and Nigel Clough always brought uh, brought in Simon, his brother, as as a head of recruitment or a scout. And I, don't, I didn't neither of those really sat well with me at the time. So wasn't I'm it quite Chris happy. Evans under McLaren? Or was that no Chris Evans? Chris Evans was brought in by Sam Rush above, but in within Clough's team was Simon, his brother, who I'm, I've got nothing against. Right. I'm just saying that he he was brought in and McLaren brought in Joe. And they, they may have been very talented people, but Rowett seems to just be kind of taking his time and not rushing into a new structure, uh, which I think is I think is okay. And the squad doesn't need a great deal of work right now, uh, so I'm not, I'm not too concerned about missing out on... It's, on, on, it's just on so easy targets. to underestimate the, the amount of work that goes into getting the play you want, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Which Rowett touched on in the forum he talked about the Tom Lawrence deal and said that the work on that transfer started the day after the end of last season and that uh, Rowett had been on to Lawrence's agent three, it was either three or four times a week or three or four times a day no it must have been a week a day is ridiculous <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> that's our actual nuisance call <laughs> alright uh, it's Gary again <laughs> three or four times a week 
uh, and he basically phoned him until and badgered, he said he quote he badgered him until he couldn't take it anymore. Um, so what is clear is that Rowett is very uh, resilient and determined to get the players that he wants. And it's not as easy as just uh, you know you look at Twitter sometimes. You got some fans saying, uh, "Oh, you know, Wolves are bidding six million for Yotta or whoever." What? Why don't we just chuck oh, look a, at, look chuck at, a cheeky bid? Look at this player. When I, when I was living in New York, there was a classic player called Jack Harrison. Plays in the wing. Came from the West Ham Academy, I believe, for New York City FC. I was thinking about tweeting. I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not being one of those people. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy." But uh, Gary, if you're listening, Jack Harrison, New York yeah. City FC. <laughs> I heard he's been linked with Yeovil Town. <laughs> Has he? Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Spreading rumours. <laughs> what else can we talk about from this forum? Um, well, that, those are the main points I wanted to bring up, really. Yeah. And he, he made some interesting comments about, just going back to the, the playing side, about match fitness and that sort of thing. And he said that, because um, we talked before about how the players do seem fitter, um, mm. and Rowett said, uh, the players have found it a challenge in terms of the hard work they're expected to do without the ball. And this is interesting. He said... Um, Players love working hard when they get the ball, but they're not as motivated when they don't have the ball, which is a very fair point, isn't it? I can, I can emphasize that from my Sunday league days. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think you can see it from the Derby team as well. When um, There just seems to be that lack of chucking the body on the line in that last desperate minute. Um, it doesn't happen week in, week out. And I think one performance that sticks out to me last season was the, the culmination of McLaren's ten, uh, tenure the Brighton performance where Derby was so unbelievably abject without the ball um, from from the word go uh, to the point where for the first time in my, my life and the only time I left the game early um, it was appalling just their lack of work ethic and you just think you could have put 11 fans out there who'd have had 5 pints before the game in your defence the uh, transport links from Brighton Stadium are also very poor aren't they so, you know. and my mate was down as well we went for a pint and watched the rugby so yeah <laughs> there was mitigating circumstances but if we were winning 1-0 or only losing 1-0 I wouldn't have left we haven't really had that I mean obviously Billy Davis had that in his promotion season uh, and I think Clough had that from time to time I think the Clough did have the players working hard yeah. for him. he wasn't always the most organised but I felt most of the time, towards the end of his tenure, second half of his tenure, he had them working really hard off the ball. Yeah. Um, McLaren probably not really. Rowett uh, has claimed that um, that I think someone put it to him that uh, you know that, that Derby didn't look interested against Wolves and they weren't trying. Well, not not trying, but they weren't working hard enough. And he he did seem to have some sort of t- statistical evidence that uh, I think he said we worked harder and with more intensity because it's worth pointing out isn't it that it's all very well just working hard and, and mm. running more but you don't want players to just run themselves into the ground and just yeah. chase lost or, yeah, or run off into the stand or something <laughs> like you've got to run in the right direction <laughs> that is key to winning football matches run towards it? your own goal and belt it at the bottom corner probably yeah. not what you had in mind best, best avoided <laughs> but do you know what I mean it's, it's, it's key to, to to do the work at the right times and not just run around the head of chickens I think overall it's early days in the season um, the Sheffield United result was disappointing but it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't bring anyone in in the next couple of days um, and I'm not too bothered by that it'd be nice if we could shift someone out but I think this is we've got to, we've got to take a couple of couple of transfer windows to sort this out we've had uh, three or four transfer windows where we've overspent uh, and those players we now can't move on because they're underperforming those days are coming very much coming back to haunt us now aren't they would you say Kutch? Yeah, I think it's got to that point where Mel kind of threw everything at it, you know, manager-wise, hand-player-wise, um, and it's just it's just become you know bloated, and and we've sold 
I don't know, have we sold the right players? You know, should we have cashed in and Jeff and, and Will when he could have maybe, they probably weren't on as much as uh, Bradley Johnson and Jacob Butterfield. But then you can only sell the players that other teams but, want to buy. Yeah. Uh, that's that's true. <laughs> I think Hendrick was a good sale. I think Hughes was a bad sale. As much as I'd love to sell Nick Blackman to Man City for £45 million, it's, uh, you know you can only sell them for what someone's willing to pay. They turned it down because of the wages, actually. £200 a week. <laughs> Didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's, let's move on. Let's go to another great era. <laughs> let's... 2007-8. God, it was just... Kenny, Mi- Kenny Miller. You say... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, whoa. I was just thinking, like, the left foot goal for... Yeah, but that could have been one of the guesses. It wasn't a guess, though, was it? You say were there any positives that weren't any positives to that, that season, were there? Well, Kenny Miller's 45-yard goal. So I had a season ticket that year, and that was the only, the only game I missed at home was Newcastle. <laughs> was the Newcastle Thanks, game. Thanks, I had the ticket. Did you, have, did you take my ticket <laughs> for that game? Yeah. I watched Newca- that. Uh, I was I in Prague. I watched, I watched that time. Newcastle game on Satanta. I missed they, it. And they missed the goal. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was in Prague, and I watched it, and I was actually... I was actually pissed off we won because <laughs> I could see where the season was going and it ends up being the only home game I missed all season. Was there a point for you, I don't want to dwell too much on this season, was there, was there a point for you where you thought we are in deep, deep, deep trouble here or we could break some sort of record? Because I remember what it was for me was when... Had a ball hat-trick? That wasn't ideal. <laughs> <laughs> was when we which, were, which one? There's two of them. When <laughs> we were 1-0 up against Blackburn at home on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. So oh, Andy, Andy tw- Todd's, the 28th, wasn't it? Andy Todd scored a header. A, yeah. No, that was against... Um, that was against Blackburn? That, that was, was Portsmouth. Oh, that was Portsmouth. Season, I think yeah. season, yeah. We, we, we were 1-0 up against Blackburn at home. Uh, who are, I can't believe they were down there with us. They we were. went 1-0 one up, won a penalty. Missed it. Steve Howard missed. We lost 2-1. Santa Cruz. And, uh, yeah, then we... I thought, yeah, it's, this, this is going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty dire, wasn't it? Also, losing to Sunderland in, in the last minute in Paul yeah. Jewell's first game was... So those either. four or five games that Paul Jewell came in, I think we conceded three last-minute goals in that spell. The Liverpool at home... Um, at least we've got that out of our system now. All right, well, let's bring yeah. yeah, yeah, let's bring let's have, let's bring some levity to this season. I'm just going to go to another room quietly, <laughs> sit down. So <laughs> give, give us the clue again, Chris. I shall. I played. Who am I? I played 24 games for Derby County between 2007 and 2008. Richard. Oh, he's got in there first. Richard Robert Earnshaw. Oh, that's a good guess. It's incorrect. Ah, uh, Tom, Eddie Lewis. Oh, he, he stayed longer, I think, after that. It's right. No! Yes! <laughs> I oh, thought I'd let you have it, cut. Bloody hell, <laughs> Eddie Lewis. I saw him skiing John O'Shea against Man United. Trying really hard not to swear right now. I can see the, I can see the disappointment on your face. You're, you're, the boy's absolutely livid here. How the hell did you pick that out? Twenty three and a half nil. I would say because Tom is better at this game than <laughs> Could have been Robbie Earnshaw. I'm going to declare and then see if you can bat and beat me. <laughs> Eddie me... Lewis, yeah. He... I always remember Eddie Lewis as one of those players who... Terrible. ...sort of uh, tormented Derby for another club. So I bought him Preston. and he was completely toilet. Yeah. yeah. So what are the other clues? <laughs> <laughs> Let me just consult a popular online encyclopedia tool to find out. I was going to say... I usually go date of birth, so May 17th, 1974, so 43 now. Yeah, I had to give it away, um, actually. <laughs> it's one of those players who, yeah, it's difficult to describe him without giving it away. American, um, American would have given it away. I started my career at San Jose Clash. Oh, wow. You they don't, there, they don't exist, do they? 
16, 16 games for Fulham, uh, 111 games for Preston, 15 goals, uh, 85 games for Leeds, mm. 8 goals, 24 games for Derby, no goals. Um, you still got game after that? Someone else in So Robbie Earnshaw made 22 appearances for Derby. Really? It's not it 24 though, is it? <laughs> no, but I thought he said 22, remember, at the start. Yeah, we corrected you. <laughs> Imagine, so you know, in terms of that being the only clue, we were both pretty much right. <laughs> Except for you were wrong. No, you know, he made twenty. He made twenty-two starts and one sub appearance. So he made twenty, made twenty-three appearances. So I was one appearance off being right. You're, t- you're talking. Put just put the spade down. <laughs> I get a half point. Three and a half. A half. <laughs> still, still no half points. No matter how many times you ask. I'm happy to give you the half point from last week. <laughs> We'll leave it there. It's been, uh, hopefully, next time... Emotional. Next time we do this, uh, hopefully Derby will get back to winning ways against Hull City. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can... We're on uh, social media, as I said. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Still not on Instagram. I haven't had time yet. Um, please do... Just two things you can do for us. Please do follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. We really would appreciate it. We appreciate all the support I've had so far. Uh, if you do those things, follow on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. You'll get notified on your device as soon as we release an episode. But until then, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Richard, thanks a lot. Cheers, Chris. <laughs> His voice <laughs> still gutted, isn't he? Uh, Tom, cheers as always. Thanks very much. See you again soon. <laughs>